Well, happy Mother's Day. It's uh, good to be here on Mother's Day, and it's nice to have so many different uh, men and some women too, unfortunately, but mostly men putting some things together, because without the women, you know, nothing would happen. Um, but uh, today we're going to talk about the blessing. Um, there is a, a song we're going to conclude the service with that has become popular within the last year that, that is called The Blessing, and it's based upon three different passages of Scripture. And so we're going to look at two of those three passages of Scripture to see what it means to be blessed by God. Um, blessing is one of those, or blessed, is one of those funny words because it's one of those words that I feel like doesn't have a synonym. You know, what's another word for blessed? And so I looked it up in the Bible in the New Testament. The Greek word for blessed literally means to be large. And that's what every woman wants, right? <laughs> to be blessed. You know, so, but, but it's never translated that way. It's translated blessed or happy or prosperous, right? And so that's what it means to be blessed, is to be happy or prosperous. That sounds like so non-spiritual, you know? Um, to be blessed, I'm just saying, may you be prosperous and happy. Here, here's the thing about happiness. We should all be on a truth quest. Truth is so important. That should be the mission of our lives, to, to find out what's true and to live for what's true. But, the, but, but we're not actually on a truth quest. 99% of people are on a happiness quest, including that poor little girl or boy, I can't tell. But a happiness quest, that's what we want. And, you know, God understands that, and, and God actually wants that for us as well. He wants us to be happy, and the problem is we settle for cheap imitation plastic happinesses that dry up and evaporate when God wants us to have something more lasting, more permanent, and that's blessing, His blessing. I mean, it's one thing for a person to bless you. If, if you sneeze and I say, God bless you, that's not going to change your life. My blessing on you isn't really a big deal, but God's blessing is. And so we're going to look at these passages of Scripture and, and just see what does it mean to be blessed. And the first passage we're going to look at, here's, here's what it's saying. It's saying that God's blessings are found in His presence. So if you want the blessing of God in your life, if you want to be a, a woman here today that is blessed, it's found in God's presence. At the end of the service, we're going to do two things with these passages of Scripture that I'm going to go through and, and talk about and explain. First thing we're going to do is we're going to have all the dudes stand up and pray this prayer over our ladies that are here this morning. And then after that, we're going to have the band come up and they're going to sing this passage of scripture and several others as well for our ladies as, as another prayer uh, because we want you to be blessed. But we want everyone to be blessed, but especially our ladies here this morning. So where do you find that blessing? It's found in the presence of God. Here's what the passage says. And this is one of the oldest things you will ever read oldest in human history. This was written about 3,000, no, yeah, 3,000, 2,000, sorry, I'm off by 1,000, give or take 1,000. 2,400 years ago, 1,400 B.C., the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you're to bless the Israelites. Say to them, 
and before I read this, let me say, this is also the oldest piece of, of, of scripture that we have. It's, it's found in the silver scroll that was unearthed in archaeology, and it's, it's dated to 600 B.C. So we have a copy of this that is literally over 2,600 years old. And it says this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. That's the blessing. And that's what God said to the priests and to Moses. When you, when you want to bless my people, this is how you bless them and this is what you say. And, and there's three aspects to this blessing here that really correspond with three things that I think all of the ladies here or most of the ladies here would say, that's what I want most in life. In fact, I think us men would agree with that as well. Here's the three things. The Lord keep you, that's a promise of security. The Lord bless you and be fickle towards you. No, that's not what it says. There is a permanence in this blessing, a security that's found here. The Lord bless you and, and discard you when he's done with you. No, no, that's, that's not what it says. The Lord bless you and keep you. We want security. That, that, that's what prosperity, that's what real blessing is. We find happiness and contentment when we are secure. And then he goes on, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And that promise of graciousness is a promise of acceptance. It's not, you know, the Lord's face is going to shine on you if you check all the boxes and if you clean up all the bad stuff in your life and those three things in particular, your temper, your anxiety, man, if you get all those right, then the Lord's face will shine on you. No, the presence of God, the Lord's face shine on you, that's his presence, is found. It's a place of, of acceptance, graciousness. Graciousness, unearned, undeserved generosity of God. It's a place of acceptance. And then the Lord turned his face. And again, this is the presence of God. This is where his face is turned. The Lord turned his face towards you and give you peace. Of, of these three things, security, acceptance, peace may be the thing some of the ladies here want the most. A little bit of peace and quiet when they get home. Some peace of mind. But this goes beyond that. This Peace isn't just the absence of conflict. Because if you're lonely, you're not at peace. And there's no conflict, but you're not at peace. In fact, there are a number of ladies, talked to a bunch of them already this morning, who are here this morning, and you don't have children. And Mother's Day is a very difficult Sunday for you. And it's not a day of peace, but God is saying, you don't find peace in children. Mothers could probably say amen to that. You don't, you don't find peace in children. You don't find peace where there's so many things that we run after that, that we think will bring us peace. Maybe money. Maybe money will give us this, this security that we long for. No, it won't. Maybe a relationship will give me this acceptance that I desire. No, it won't. Maybe children will give me. No, it won't. Where is all of this found? Acceptance and, and peace and security in the face of God, in the presence of God. 
And, and that's what he wants for us. No matter where you're at here today, whether you're a man, a woman, whether you're older, whether you're young, if you want God's blessing, it's found in the presence of God. But so often we, we think that God is a way and a means to get what we really want, the blessing. So I want security, and if, and if I do what God wants, and I, and I come to church, and I obey the Bible, and, and whatever, I'm very moral, then God will get me, give me what I really want. And when that, it's, it's the way the world works, right? I scratch your back, you scratch my back. But that's, that's not how God says it works, See, because, because what we desire most, what we need is God. It's kind of like the difference between a well that's, that's deep and cold and pure and bottomless and always there and a mud puddle. And so often we want to find security in the mud puddle. I'm going to find security in money, but money isn't always going to be there. Something can change and, and your financial situation changes. And even if it doesn't, money doesn't keep you from getting cancer. And money doesn't keep your friends from leaving you and abandoning you. And, and so we, we, we think that what will make me happy is money and no money. Money is a mud puddle. And it's got side effects and a bad aftertaste. And it's going to evaporate and dry up. And God says, that's not the blessing. And, and that's why, you know, some people think, well, if I follow God, if I love and obey God, and if I do, do what God's word says, then I'm never going to be poor. Because God will bless me. That's not how it works. Because we don't need money. We need God. And, and all these other things that, that we do to try to, to fill ourselves up, you know, the, the, sometimes we may think, okay, well, so it's not money, but maybe it's, maybe it's the admiration and respect of others and advancement. You know, that's, that's what's going to, that's the blessing I really desire. But again, God is like, no. And sometimes, so there are Christians that have bad health and have cancer. I talked to one this morning. Jesse Wells is on hospice and he was here this morning. Must have been having a good day. It was great to see him. And gave him a hug, and, and he loves the Lord. Why wouldn't God bless him with good health? Because what we need more than health is God himself. You know, you, you can exercise, you can diet, you can do all the right things. And that's a mud puddle. That's not the blessing that we truly need. Relationships in the same way isn't what we truly need. It's God himself. And so we're going to talk about these three aspects to this blessing in these verses and, and kind of break it down and, and see what that means. And the first is the blessing of security. The Lord bless you and keep you. That security thing. May he bless you and may he keep you. This is one of the most often stated promises that God gives us in the Bible. Over and over and over he says, I am not going to abandon you. I'm not going to discard you. I'm not fickle that I'm going to change and, and love you and bless you in one moment and another not bless you. In the presence of God, there is always blessing and he will keep you. Here's a bunch of verses that talk about that. Deuteronomy 31.6, he will never leave you nor, for, nor forsake you. If you memorize that one, 
You've memorized Deuteronomy 31.8 also. He will never leave you or forsake you. Joshua, I will never leave you or forsake you. Hebrews, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Joshua, again, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Psalms, for the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. And then Matthew, and surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. So over and over, God says, my love for you, my blessing that I want for you is not something that comes and goes. We think that because earthly blessings come and go. But again, those aren't the blessings. God is not the map to what you really want. God is the treasure. He is the one that can give you joy no matter what. The man with cancer this morning, laughing, smiling, Why? Because he has God. And God is what we need most. And God is the treasure. So God's blessings are found in his presence. And that's the blessing of security. And it's the blessing of acceptance or grace. Here's the second part of that verse. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. So if God's face is shining on you, you're in the presence of God. There's grace there. Here's what so many people, and and I have even lived this way myself, and I should know better. And that's when I'm not right with God, I don't want to be in the presence of God, right? Because I have guilt, and I don't want, I, I think of the presence of God as a place of guilt. Oh, then I have to face my sin, and then I have to, but that's not true at all. The presence of God is never a place of guilt. The presence of God is a place of grace, It's when we're running from God and ignoring God and trying to push him to the back of our minds and and distract ourselves away from God. That's the place of guilt. But 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is no guilt in the presence of God. It's only grace. And here's what guilt is. Guilt is feeling bad about what you've done, but grace is getting rewarded for what you haven't. And so if you confess your sin to God and say, I am so sorry for what I've done, immediately you are in his presence and there is grace. And when God looks at you, he sees Jesus Christ, his son, who he loves, and he'll say, man, I'll do anything for you. I'll give you anything that's good for you because my presence is grace. If you're here this morning and you're, You've been avoiding God all week or you're prone to do that when you sin. That's the path of guilt. Get off that trail. It's not leading to to blessing. Come into the presence of God. It's a place of grace. And then finally, the blessing of peace. In God's presence, there is peace. And again, it's not just a temporary reprieve kind of peace. not a momentary ceasefire peace but permanent, lasting peace. How much would you give for peace down in your soul? For that kind of peace, what would you do? And God says, you know what? That's what I want to give you. That's what's found in my presence. The world says there's two ways to get peace. Number one, you get peace by destroying the enemy by winning. That's where you get peace. 
That's when you're at peace. And it's not peace at all. How many times have you won an argument and your soul is more tied up and, you know, bothered and, and, and unrest and, boy, but I won and I showed him. That's not peace. It's not peace through winning and defeating others because there's always another adversary and, and winning just doesn't give me peace in my soul. And so the world says, okay, well, then there's another way of getting peace, and that's through security, right? And if, if you have enough money, and if you find that guy who will love you as you are, but that's an empty peace as well. In fact, Je- Jesus talked about this with the good Samaritan, not the good Samaritan, the woman at the well. She was actually not the good Samaritan. And so he's talking to her, and he says, hey, what, could I have a drink? And she's like, excuse me? You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. We don't talk. Don't you know this? Like, you guys hate us. What are you talking to me for? And besides that, you're, you're a man and a rabbi teacher, and I'm a Samaritan woman, and men are up here and women are down here. So what are you talking to me about? Which, don't you know the rules, the social rules? And Jesus is like, I'll never mind those. If you knew who I was, you would ask me for water, and I'd give you living water, and you'd never be thirsty again. And she's like, what? Because she was thinking about the real water, but he was talking about our desires. And he was talking about her desire for security, acceptance, and peace. And he said to her, you know, you've been looking in all the wrong places for water to quench your soul. You've been, you've been digging in mud puddles and they've all evaporated on you. you. You've had five husbands trying to fill that void in your life and maybe this one, maybe he'll accept me for who I am. No. Well, maybe forget acceptance. I'll just settle for security and, and if he could give me that. No. And this peace down, I hate myself, and I I don't even know who I am, and I have no peace, and number five didn't bring me peace either, and now I'm on number six, so I'm not even married to, and Jesus is there, and he's saying, I can quench that thirst that you long so desperately for. You're not going to find it in these mud puddles of these relationships that you go from one to another. It's in me. God is the treasure. He's not the map to the treasure. He is where we find this peace, lasting, permanent peace and security. So how do I figuratively walk in the presence of God? How, do, how, do I, how, how does his face shine on me? Where do I have to be? God's presence is everywhere and every when that where, where people who, who love him are. So I'm going to skip, skip to Deuteronomy 7.9. This is the second passage that we're going to look at. And the thing that this is saying is that God's blessings are for those, for a certain kind of person. So here we go. Know know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God. Again, there's that keep part there. 
There's that I'm not going to abandon you or forsake you. I'm going to be with you always. He is faithful, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. A thousand generations. This is so old. It was written 2,400 years ago. And how many generations have passed since then? If I, it's, it's a hundred greats. Your great, 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 if I said that a hundred times, grandmother, she would have lived during this time. That's a hundred generations. He's saying, I'm, I'm going to keep and I'm going to be faithful for a thousand generations. And of course, this isn't really literal. It's not like after a thousand generations, he's like, nope, I'm done. I mean, he's basically saying, for a period of time that is longer than you can possibly comprehend, 24,000 years, he says, I will be faithful to you. But actually, he's not giving this to everyone. This is not a promise to everyone. This is a promise only for those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, there's, there's two things there, love and keep his commandments. And which one is more important? So often churches emphasize the obedience part. But here's something I came to realize just in studying about this about a month ago that in, in all my 50 years of, of life and 20-some years of pastoring and, and all that, I never realized about obedience. And that is that Satan obeys God. I, I always knew James 2.19, it says, you believe in God good for you. Even the demons believe in God and they tremble in fear. So I always knew it's not enough to just believe in God. Jesus didn't die on a cross so that you would believe that God exists. There's a lot of other easier ways, less painful ways for you to understand that God is real. He didn't do that so that you'd believe God exists alone. And Jesus' biggest enemies on earth were the Pharisees who were very religious and they obeyed God's word. And if you read Job chapter 1 and 2, there's a lot of questions it brings up. It's really kind of philosophical and confusing and it's for another day. But in Job chapter 1 and 2, you have this conversation between the devil and God and the devil's like, man, I want to I put the screws into Job. And God says, okay, you can, you can take anything of Job's away, but don't touch his body and Satan obeyed and didn't touch his body and then came back and said, hey, flesh for flesh. He's, he's not cursing you because, because he, 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 he's got, you know, good health. Boy, if he had bad health, he'd surely, he doesn't care about all those other people and things that I took from him, but he cares about his health. If you take that away, then if you let me take that away, then, and God says, okay, you can, you can make him sick. You can take away his health, but don't kill him. And Satan obeys God out of fear of his power. He doesn't go beyond what God allows. There are a lot of people in America today and in our community here in Montrose who believe in God and they even obey God. And they will spend an eternity apart from God. Is love that important to love God? It is, absolutely. 1 Corinthians 13 says, if you don't have love, you have nothing. You, you could obey God. You could, you could die a martyr's death and be burned alive for the Lord. You could, you could you know, 
preach and prophesy and do all sorts of amazing spiritual sounding things, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. This is where the blessing of God is found. Anywhere and any when, there is a person who loves God. And so I just want to challenge you. It's the only place to get his blessing that you would just Love God today with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind because God's blessing is for those who love him. And, and here's the thing about loving God. One, one of the objections that comes to my mind, I don't know if your mind thinks like this, but I think what a narcissist God must be to demand, to, to have a setup where everyone in the world has to love him. That's crazy. Like, He must be on some ego trip that we have to love him in order to have blessing in our lives. But again, there's two answers to this. Number one, he's the only source of blessing. If you don't love the blessing, how can you be blessed? And then then number two, loving God doesn't make God better. Loving God makes you and me better. You see, that's different than, than... in our normal relationships. So, so Becky's love for me, my wife's love for me, makes me better. Right? Her believing in me, her, her unselfishness toward me, it, it models for me uh, you know, a character that, that I want to imitate and that I want to follow. When others love us, it makes us better. When we love God, it doesn't make him better at all. He's not more righteous and more loving and more strong or whatever because we love him? No, he wants us to love him because it makes us better. In fact, it would be like this, and a man on the way out this morning, he was saying, I gave this illustration, he said, I have two, two children who are, who are addicts. What, what if you have a loving father who is a billionaire And he has a child who's a heroin addict. And the father says, I want to bless my child. And the child says, great, I want your blessing. And the dad says, but I can't give you my money. Oh, because because you're on some power trip? Because you really don't love me unconditionally? Because you're selfish and you want to keep it all to yourself? No, 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 not at all. I can't bless you because you would take my blessing and it would kill you. And so until you learn to love me more than you love your heroine, until you learn to love others more than you love yourself, I can't bless you because my blessing would actually hurt you and kill you. And that's the position God is in. He says, I want to give you what you really need. But if you're just going to spend it on your idols and and you're just going to throw it into your addiction or whatever mud puddle of satisfaction that you think is what you really want, if that's all you're going to do, I can't bless you. Because God himself is the blessing. The moms here understand this and know this really well. Is your child only a blessing to you by what they can do for you? Right? Is that that why children are a blessing? It's only because, you know, when you get old, you'll need them. (laughs) 
or it's only because they mow the lawn, you know, or it's only because, I love that, that little thing at the beginning, Jocko, that was the last baby who was eating the Mother's Day card. He's like always like that. He's, every time I've seen him, he's like super happy, you know, but is that, is that the only thing that Matt and Olivia love about their little baby is that he makes them smile when he's happy? No, moms know, we all know. Children are not a map, a path to happiness. They are the treasure themselves. Just like God is the treasure, he's not the root to the treasure that we so richly desire. So how do you, what do you do then to be in the presence of God? Well, you got to love him. How do you love God and enter the presence of God? First thing you need to do is just tell him. Just tell him that you love him. Decide that you're going to love him more than all of these other mud puddles that so occupy our lives and consume us from day to day to day. Do you love him more than your kids? Do you love him more than your spouse? Do you love him more than all your stuff? Do you love him more than the admiration and respect of others? Because increasingly, more and more, loving God is going to, you're going to be seen as a bad person if you obey God's word. Do you love him more? And if you do, tell him that. I'm going to close with two prayers. The first prayer is a prayer telling God how much, making a decision and saying, you know what, God, I'm going to love you. And maybe you've, you've prayed that prayer a hundred times before. Maybe you haven't. I just invite you quietly to pray along with me, and then we're going to have a special blessing prayer for our ladies. But let's pray this prayer of salvation. Heavenly Father, God, I love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Thank you for showing me your love by sending Jesus to die on the cross to pay the punishment for my sins. And so because I love you, God, I trust you. I want to obey you and follow you and be in your presence for the rest of my life. Help me to do that. Help me to stay there. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that 